Welcome everyone to the Gov Navigator Show, a government-focused program that won't make you seasick. We're the Gov Navigators. I'm Robert Shea. And I'm Adam Hughes. We hope to enlighten and enliven your week with news and insightful, entertaining guests, all on the topic of government management. Enjoy today's episode of Gov Navigators, brought to you by the creative geniuses behind the award-winning podcast, FedHeads. Welcome to another episode of the Gov Navigator Show. I'm Adam Hughes. And I'm Robert Jay. And I'm Francis Rose. Wait, wait, what? Francis, you're the guest. We were gonna introduce you. Yeah. Oh. We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. I but, guess uh, I wasn't I guess I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. You've completely stepped on the huge buildup we were gonna do announcing our about secret it. guest today. Oh our special secret guest. Well, what was that? What was the buildup? Um well, now that you stepped on it, I'm not gonna like. No, that you know. it's okay. So then that means you didn't really have a big buildup, and you I were mean, just we saying that to try to make me feel bad. We were gonna Let's... talk about how we had a former f head with us, and That's right. how how wonderful That's that right. was because most of the time f heads don't get a second run. No, no. Actually, can, can actually, we still we'll not take... say that? Can we still not say the word fed heads? Are we? No, we're liberated. To... We can say whatever we want. Fed heads. Yeah, we fed heads. Fed heads. Fed heads. Okay. When is the next episode of FedHeads coming out? I think we're on it right now. <laughs> I think we're doing it at this moment. Except anyway, Hughes wasn't on that show, was he? I don't remember yeah, Adam doing behind it at the any scenes, point. Do you, right? I was a guest host. He, he I was a guest, guest host. host for, oh, that's did, right. He did yeah. for a month. He did a great job. And and now, you know, he's co-hosting the Gov Navigator show. And doing a hell of a job. Are you a listener? That's very nice that you said that. Of course very, I'm a listener. Of course I am. He's the okay. one. He's the one. Yeah. Okay. Francis We've tracked Rose, him down. The the goat of government management media. Wow. Um, I'll take that. And, and I don't just F O G N. Maybe B F O G N. Best friend of Gov Navigators. Oh. Oh, that's really great. Thank you. I I take that as a high honor. You and I have been friends for a long time, Robert. And yep. I've known Adam for a long time too. Sure. And so that's I consider that to be an honor, and especially coming from a commissioner on the Commission on Evidence Based Policymaking, that's okay. pretty amazing. Okay, it's such a powerful position. The, the fact that the fact that he still associates with us, Francis, obviously, yeah. we're, we're grateful. So, so we're what three minutes into this show now, and we've accomplished absolutely nothing content-wise. That's not. Well, I think like. we alienated. We've alienated a number of people who Robert probably has also told them are best yeah. friends of Gov Navigators who are listening too. So I've never said we walked that right into that point. So I, I'm hearing a clicking sound and I'm afraid that it's people turning off their radios <laughs> and podcast devices. So, so I, okay. I, so I think Francis, that's what it is. Let me I'm coach sure. you on this. Let me coach you on this. We usually do oh, a new segment. We do a guest segment and a what's coming ahead. Since you I know. crashed our news segment. What news were you tracking in the in the in the last week? Well, I think everybody is really happy that there's not going to be a government shutdown, at least until after the first of the year. I mean, we can put that off through the holidays and all of that. And my sense is that and this is just I don't I'm not basing this on any evidence, Commissioner. So I'm probably doing it wrong in your view. But I am just guessing I don't think anybody anymore on the Hill has an appetite for government shutdowns, with the exception of a few outliers. There's always going to be outliers. You're going to have crazy people in, in any group of 535 people. A certain percentage of them are going to be completely insane. But 
I don't get a sense that there's a big appetite for it anymore, certainly like we saw in 2013 and what, 2018? Was there one in 2018? Yeah. Something like that, where you had folks that were kind of cheering for it. And especially this last time, I don't see anybody saying, yeah, we ought to just do it and the heck with those guys and all that kind of stuff. So well, that's, to me, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it stinks that the agencies have to limp along on CRs, but it's better than shutting down completely. But the Republicans had to pull a couple of appropriations bills from the floor. They couldn't even couldn't get a rule voted out. So I worry that with their ability to get something done long term. I agree with you. We can all breathe a sigh of relief and don't have to with this over the holidays, but yeah. I wonder if they'll be able to get it done. Well, I'll defer to you guys on the the Capitol Hill logistics and the politics and all of that kind of stuff. That's not really my area of expertise, but just know that it, at least alternative of a potential shutdown is worse than putting it off for another six weeks or so. Not ideal, but not the absolute worst possible outcome. So that's, to me, that was the most important thing that happened last week. That's that totally true, Francis. And for you budget wonks out there, don't forget about the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023, which will automatically put in a 1% across the board cut on January 3rd before the CRs run out. There's two, technically it's one CR, but there's two deadlines for different agencies. Mm -hmm. But that will go into effect in early January before those the funding runs out. If Congress has not passed all 12 appropriations bills, these different deadlines, January 3rd, January 19th, and February, I'd have to look up the February one for the other agencies, that this is going to create confusion and chaos in the management of agencies and in the ability of Congress to enact these laws on a timely manner. My son, when he was a little kid, loved Thomas the Tank Engine and George Is this Carlin. relevant? Is this yeah, relevant? It, it okay. is. I, bring it home? Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, I do that for a living. Come on. You it's play my, with Thomas the Tank Engine for a little No, it's my job to bring it home. Yeah. He loved Thomas the Tank Engine. And George Carlin was the original narrator of the Thomas the Tank Engine wow. videos. And he, one of his favorite lines was confusion and delay. He loved to work that in when there was something going on in the train yard. And so when you just used that word confusion, I thought of George Carlin saying confusion and And he had this this kind of really about half angry voice that he would use. And I just imagined that when you were talking about confusion on mm -hmm. Capitol Hill and, and for the agencies, cause that's exactly right. That that's all it is, is confusion and delay. Adam, can you pull that sound effect? Uh, Thomas, the tank engine. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. Pretty esoteric. So. Huh? You had to throw yeah. that in, didn't you? Rubbing that in our faces. Did you also see that, uh, government's customer experience scores were released? Showing a small uptick, I think 1%, but, you know, every little bit helps. Well, it's better uh, than the direction it's been going. That's over, right. Over Throughout history, which yeah. is down. So 1% yep. up is up at least. That's yes, right. I did see that. That's right. So I think uh, I've got a lot invested in the administration's customer experience initiatives as a tool to restore trust in government. So you're right, 1% uptick is the right direction. wonder if they can link it to these specific activities. I doubt they've had enough track record to be able to do that, but I'll be interested to see 
the extent to which that really does reverse this decline. What I think is more important than that even though is the fact that customer experience now is baked in to everything that everybody is doing. You read agency IT strategic plans, they include customer experience. You read just about every kind of strategic plan of any sort, no matter what the area of specialty or expertise is. And there's a customer experience reference. And the conversations that I'm having with people, I, I saw you guys up at executive leadership conference, the ELC conference that ACT IAC does in Hershey every year. And I bet you of all, I did 14 interviews up there and I bet you of all 14 of them, I bet every single one Every single government leader mentioned customer experience in some form or other, but use that actual language. And so to me, that means that it's moved past a tipping point of people just talking about it and into an area where people understand that it has to be part of the way that an agency does business moving forward. I, I like how you describe that too, because I think we've seen a lot of that this year. It's moved beyond it's a buzzword yeah. to that everyone is actually implementing some aspect of it to help improve government services and government management. And I'm, I'm sort of fascinated that it's, it's accelerated so quickly because I think yeah. we had Martha Doris on the show a month or so ago, and she's been talking about this issue for decades, literally yeah. decades. And she talked a little bit about how just it's amazing to see it actually get embedded so deeply into the way agencies are operating right now. Martha Doris really is an example, not just in customer experience, but an example to anybody who wants to accomplish something worthwhile in the government space, because you're exactly right. Martha talked to me when I was at Fed News Radio about customer experience 15 years ago. And she said, when I was at GovMatters, she said, you have to talk about customer experience and to be candid. And I've said this to her, so I'm I'm not speaking out of turn, but I kind of kind of blew it off. Nobody cares about that right now, right? That's not a that, thing. That's that pretty we're much it. About. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. then. Yeah. Because nobody yeah, that that was in my mind. I don't know that I ever said it, and I hope I was not so rude as to say it to her face at the time. Although she's smart and she probably understood. But yeah, at that time nobody really cared about that. And yep. nobody was thinking about that about that concept the way now that everybody talks about that concept and it's yep. the right way to do it because it's the way that the people who are receiving the services expect to be able to receive the services and and ultimately they're the ones paying for the services too the taxpayers are the ones paying for the services so it seems logical to me that they would have a voice in how those services are then how they receive them so it's a lesson in Something that's that's proven, that's effective, that's authentic and intuitive. Hats off to her persistence, but she wasn't pursuing some fad. The, there's a lot of, of truth to uh, following what the data tells you about whether or not people's experience is a good one or not. Well, and you just, you used exactly the right word there, Commissioner, and that's the data that the government had. And as an outside observer, I would say for a long time, didn't know what to do with or wasn't quite sure how to ask the data questions or wasn't trying to to try to gain knowledge about how could we do this better and there have been a number of forcing functions and and i don't say this 
ingest. I mean it seriously, Robert. You had a lot to do with a lot of those efforts to get agencies and the government as a whole to pay attention to data and to use it to make decisions. I love to tease you about the whole commissioner shtick, but it's true. And that's another element that is really deeply embedded into the way that the agencies do business now. Is are you crying? No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, well, he's, uh, I'm. I for thought those you were, of you who don't have the live video feed, he is rubbing his eyes right I now. I thought he was. I thought he was tearing. I up think he's tearing up a little bit. I'm, okay. I was just gonna say we should buck you again, Tim. <laughs> have me on again. Francis, Let's you, you mentioned you mentioned yeah. that you were you had been employed by and were a, a I think a standout journalist for federal news radio i wanted to make no, sure that you no. knew at this point that they're a whole network they're not just a radio he was station just the tallest he was just no. the tallest federal number news one so so let's let's clear the air about a couple of things here number one i used to argue with my boss at federal news radio lisa wolf who i loved and was terrific and i owe a lot of my success in my career to her because she should have fired me like three different times if she didn't <laughs> So God bless her. But we used to talk about that all the time. I would say things like when I would have people like Robert on my radio show and I, at the end, I would say, thank you, my friend. And blah, 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 blah. You know, journalists shouldn't do this. And I would say, I'm not a journalist. I'm a talk show host. I host Mm -hmm. a talk show. For example, in that news organization, Jason Miller is a journalist and he's a great one. And they have a number of others, but that's not me. I talk to people, I interview people and they tell me stuff, but I've never considered myself a journalist in uh, any more of a sense than Larry King was a journalist, which by the way, I don't think he was. I think he was a terrific interviewer, maybe one of the best of all time, but uh, not a journalist. You're so argumentative. We'd really like to delve into your career and what no, you're you working wouldn't. on now. No, it's yes, not we, that important. We, I did ask. Yeah. I did ask Very important. Him. That's exactly what we want to know. You complimented me. You drive a lot of the conversation in this town. People pay a lot of attention to what you say and who you talk to. So talk to talk to us about the forums in which you're doing that today. So the FedGov Today television show is similar to the TV project that I worked on before. People are probably familiar with Government Matters, which was a show that I hosted on Channel 7 from 2016 to 2021. And... We cover acquisition and financial management and IT and personnel, and we try to aim for about a 50-50 split, civilian agencies and defense-related, national security-related agencies. And then I do, coincidentally, a podcast uh, that comes out every Wednesday. The TV show is on Sunday mornings at 1030 on Channel 7 in the slot that Government Matters used to be in. And the podcast comes out every Wednesday, and it's a similar subject matter. And it's really the same kind of coverage that I've been doing for a long time because the reality of it is I'm not really that smart, and I'm now 58 years old. And so there's no chance, no chance, that I'm going to learn something new. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing for 17 years in this space because people seem to like it. The false humility is a little misplaced i think is it that easy to tell that it's false (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know francis i thought it was expertly delivered it's hard to hear that those words coming out of the mouth of a legend no well legend's a bit strong okay so tell us what you've observed how long you've been doing this now probably so i started at federal news radio in august of 2006 How how long have you been doing the current project since just about a year yeah 
So just about tell, a year. tell me what observations you have. What how are you finding your guests? What are they most interested in talking about? What are your listeners most interested in hearing about? And if I could add one to that list, yeah. are you noticing a difference now that you started doing your own thing compared to when you did it either, you know, at Gov Matters or in previous iterations? Is there the same sort of thing? You just it's a different brand or are you noticing a marked difference in the way that you interact with folks? So I'll answer that question first. No, what I'm doing kind of wasn't kidding when I said it's kind of it's the same thing I was doing before. Mm-hmm. So um, so there's that. I'm finding my guests mostly by contacting them and asking them to appear on the show. That was supposed to be funny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> no. Well, we can add a laugh track. We can add a laugh track. Oh, that'd be great if you can do that. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I think. Okay, oh, sorry. You were saying, Francis. I don't remember. <laughs> you I was get, asking, like, tell what, what are your observations you about what you're hearing? What you, yeah. Oh. What is striking to me about this space is the challenges that agencies have today are basically the same challenges that they had in 2006 when I first came into the government, the government media space. I've never been in government myself. I've only been an outside observer. But my sense is that these challenges have not changed. The way that those challenges manifest themselves have changed. The way that agencies try to deal with them have changed. What it boils right down to is as I recall things being in 2006, and as I think we could argue that they are today, agencies are worried about where their funding is going to come from. Are they going to have enough money to be able to do the things that Congress tells them they have to do? Are they going to have the people that they need to be able to execute on mission? And what does the right balance look like between government employees and contracting capacity that they have to go out and buy? What is the acquisition landscape look like and what uh, opportunities slash hurdles will they have to deal with in order to get the goods and services that they need to be able to execute on their mission and what are going to be the information technology opportunities or roadblocks to be able to deliver what they're supposed to deliver that's kind of if i recall the kinds of topics that i was talking to people about when i first came into the space in 2006 it was those things and here we are in 2023 it's still 2023, right? Yep. Okay. So, FY 2024, but it's 2024. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it's, I mean, it seems like we're still, we're not talking about the same things, but we're talking about the same things, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, not to bring us down, but you saw the news about our friend Charlie Clark. Yeah. What a terrible, what a terrible tragedy. Charlie was actually one of the first, there, there's a journalist right there, by the way. There was a guy, that's a journalist who learns information and then reports information, goes out and collects a bunch of information, a bunch of different sources, and understands what's important to the reader and what's not, and then knows how to assemble it in a way that the person who reads what he wrote learns something. And in this space, what is the most important thing, I think, is then is able to take action on that and do his or her job better because of the information that they consumed. And Charlie was a genius at that and was one of the first people, Charlie and Jason were probably the two people who I learned the most from Jason firsthand because I worked with him, but Charlie, just from reading his stuff, he wrote like three stories a day. Tom Shoup, by the way, who I'm also a huge fan of, wrote the most wonderful tribute to Charlie 
Yep. And I thank you guys for pointing me to that. I think you guys shared that on the Gov Navigators channel on LinkedIn, and which I follow, and other people should too. And Good plug. That's what I'm here for. There's no reason to have a show if you can't plug your friend's stuff. <laughs> that's an old saying of mine. But that was such a beautiful tribute, and every word of it true. What I think is really nice about that is, you know, somebody passes away, and you feel sad and you feel kind of warm about the person because you like that person and you write a big flowery thing and maybe you embellish and Tom didn't embellish everything. Every word that he wrote about Charlie was absolutely true. And I commend that to people if they haven't seen it yet, because everybody knows Charlie. So if you don't know who Charlie is, you probably turn this podcast off because you're in the wrong space. Yeah. He's no, a true, beautiful, gentle, but tough uh, reporter. Yep. So we'll miss him. And he covered federal government management for decades and did a stellar job of it. But he also yeah. spent countless hours and wrote hundreds of articles about local government and local politics. Yeah. Where I live in the city of Falls Church, but also in Arlington and was a spent a lot of time talking about the history of Northern Virginia and Arlington and wrote very insightful articles and columns about that in local newspapers in Northern Virginia. Very sad to learn about that. R.I.P. Charlie Clark. So this is the point of the podcast where we talk about what's coming up. And so, Thanksgiving's coming up. Thank, I'm it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to tear up some turkey this week. I'll tell you that. That's coming up. I asked my assistant to print up some Francis Rose approved holiday greetings, and she didn't do that. But if memory serves. Do you have an assistant? Are you talking about your cat right now? You know, both of you have. It's a sore spot, okay? Can we so just... now I'm not getting invited back to the podcast. <laughs> no, I'll invite you, you back. I'll invite okay, you back. Okay, good. All right. Uh, think happy Thanksgiving is... So here's the... Great. Let me just clear the air on this. Let me just clear the air on this, too. While we're wipe, wiping out a bunch of swabbing decks here, as they say. There's <laughs> only two... There's only two holidays that I don't care for the way that they are presented. Can I, can I try to, can I, can you, can I see if I remember? Of course. Okay. The first is what happens the day after July 3rd. And yes. your, your objection is no one should call it July 4th. It's Independence right. Day. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what's being honored is our independence. And that's what makes it a special distinguished day. Correct. Not because it's the day after July 3rd and the day before July 5th. The term to, this is my opinion, the term July 4th or 4th of July doesn't add any, any honor or it doesn't make the day sound as special as the day is. It's the day that we recognize that the United States was created and, and that we declared to the entire world our independence from England. And so I think that well, I choose to refer to it as Independence Day, and I do not use the term July 4th or 4th of July to describe it. That's yes. So, yes, you got right. one. One for one. Number That's two. Right. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, it's an objection which i agree with to anyone who says happy memorial day hate that god i hate because that memorial day is honoring those who have died who in died service in of the of united service. states in right. military campaigns around the world and in the united states and that should not be a happy event we should How be memorializing her the name it can't okay. possibly be happy recognizing yeah. i mean we're grateful and Maybe the maybe the term should be Grateful Memorial Day. Grateful Memorial Day to you, sir. Because we're great to yep. the people who did what they did in order that we could have the freedoms and do the barbecues and could go we? to the mattress sales and all that jazz. Those are the only two holidays that I 
really could, have could, a thing about. Okay, could we get back to the holiday at hand? How do you feel about Arbor Day? Uh, I can't say I'm the world's most avid observer of Arbor Day, but I think if you want to wish somebody a happy Arbor Day, not <laughs> the happy Arbor Day would be okay. Yeah. If you're really that into trees, go for so, it. I love a good tree. Yeah. Trying to drive the program here. Can we get back? I think to the I am day? too. It's just I'm driving it into a ditch. <laughs> what are your plans for Thanksgiving? I'm going to a my significant other and I have chosen an Airbnb in rural Maryland. It's got like six acres of land and a big fire pit and a fireplace. And our combined family is going to come out there for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's fantastic. She has three kids. I have one. And so we're all four of us, all four of the kids are going to go out there and we're going to have Thanksgiving out there. That sounds well, delightful. S'mores and, you know, the whole shtick. I, for one, am grateful for all you do, but especially for your friendship. And we will look to have you on again. Thank you, Commissioner. I look forward to this. It's <laughs> one of the best Gov Navigator show we've ever taped. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gov Navigator Show, brought to you by Gov Navigators. We sure hope you enjoyed it and learned something in the process. And didn't get seasick. Right, of course. If you want to know more about us and what we're up to, please follow us on social media or visit govnavigators.com. Ahoy! Oh, jeez.